Hello and welcome to Motoring First. I have just come from a room where I was trying to work and uh, Shumi was sitting next to me. I couldn't see what he was doing, but I could hear what he was watching, which was the RS457 on track. So like you, I've got lots and lots of questions. As always, we have not discussed anything about this motorcycle. We just had a brief call on the day he rode it. And uh, I asked him, how was it? He said, we'll talk. So that's about as much as I know. Yeah. So here we are. Huge expectations from me. Um, oh, really? Why? I've been a fan of the RSV. Okay. And uh, the chassis that they built for it, I think it's uh, incredible what they have managed to do for a liter class bike. I agree. And you have the Tuono, so you know what that chassis is like. I do. So there are all these expectations. And at the other side, there's the tempering of... You know, expectations also saying that it's Aprilia, <laughs> it's it's Italian. <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna go. It's 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 gonna have a lot of promise, but is it going to? Is it is it finally gonna be something you're gonna say? I want to get it home. I mean, you want to get it home, but will you get it home? Mm. So that's where I'm coming from. And now I think you should hit me hard. How was it? Um, I'm gonna say nine on ten. Nine on ten. Yeah, I'm gonna take one point away. Because we're going to discuss it in detail, but this is the first time in 23 years of riding, yeah. 16 or 17 at the racetrack, where I have not finished a ride. Because some part of the bike came to the point where I said, no, this is just unusable and I will not. Oh my God. Shall we get into it? Shall we, which end should we start at? Why is it a 9 or 10 or why did it miss? No, we should start at what it is. <laughs> I mean, I think the YouTube thing is you string them along till the end of the video and it raises your watch time and these are all good things <laughs> and stuff. So, we should try that first at least once. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've been upsetting the apple cart regularly. Okay, we'll go with the flow this time. Yeah, and you should know that it's really difficult these days when we have to film motoring first because Karthik and I meet much before the shoot begins and we can never discuss what we've driven or ridden <laughs> and come back and it makes conversation very difficult because you're bursting to say stuff and you can't because we aren't here yet. <laughs> so, by now, most of you will know a lot of detail about the RS457 already. It's a twin-cylinder motorcycle. It's made in India. And it's an absolute current-day modern spec twin-cylinder. Aprilia has left no stones unturned on that front. Four-valve DOHC, liquid-cooled, uh, fuel-injected, ride-by-wire. It's got everything. Mm. Okay, so it makes about 48 bhp. Huh. It makes 43 or 44 Newton meters of torque. Okay. okay, so it's, I think, just... Below 9500 RPM is your peak power and just above 6500 RPM is your peak torque. Okay. Which should tell you that it's not a horsepower oriented top end revs only kind of motor. Awesome. Right? That's a good thing. Connected to that is a 6-speed gearbox with a supercutch. You've got the basic electronic suite in place. It's actually not basic if you think about it. You've got three riding modes. Hmm. All are full power. Hmm. But each of them modulates the way the power is delivered hmm. with the top mode being the most uh, aggressive one is to one ratio type of thing. The other ones are gentle and soft. I think their names, I'll put them on the screen, but they are rain, normal and sport or something like that. Okay. Then the chassis is an aluminium twin spar frame as yeah. we expect Aprilia's yeah. to have in this category. The key thing is it's a half aluminium spar frame okay. because it doesn't actually finish at the swing arm pivot. Uh, the engine is a integrated part of the frame and the twin spar mounts to the engine right? and the swing arm mounts to the engine separately. So technically, it's not an old school full twin spar frame. It's a half frame. Okay. The swing arm looks like it's finished in aluminium. 
Right. But it's actually a steel swinger. Prestige. It's shaped very nicely. Yeah. So it does appear for all intents and purposes to be aluminium, but it's not. Okay. Then you've got 17-inch wheels, which are roughly in the same size as the KTM. So 110 front, 150 rear. Can can we just break this down a little yeah. bit about the chassis bit? Uh, <laughs> what you... So you're saying the frame comes down, uh, the engine is a stress member? Yes. Right? So at the back of the engine, you have two structural mounting points. The okay. upper one is for the frame, the lower one is the swing arm pivot. So there you… Uh, so when you notice the bike the first time, you don't notice it because it's a little hidden from you. But when you look closer, you'll notice that the spar frame ends. And the swing arm is, is mounted at a separate what is like, point. looks like an air gap. And then there is a swing arm mounted to it. Very interesting. Okay, so this is a little bit of geek stuff, right? And uh, if you watch MotoGP, you know who Gigi Delinea is, right? Yeah. And he was the creator. I mean, he was the one who worked on the RSV4 project yeah. from Aprilia, which is a legendary motorcycle. It's it is. practically been unchanged for… Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Aprilia is the king of, if it's not broken, let's not fix it. So they found a 250cc GP frame that worked really well. That turned into the RSV frame, I think, what, 13, 14, 15 years ago or something like that. And still today, they haven't really done much with that frame and it's really that kind of good. It's a really clever frame, you know. It allows for a lot of adjustment for pro riders while still being friendly for anybody who wants to get onto a leader class and ride it. So that's why part of the expectations were so high and this yeah. sounds like another little detail where they've done something. Some, yeah, magic is in there. Suspension is also fully preload adjustable at both ends. So you've got front preload, so two individual preload adjusters on each of the front forks. Okay. It's an upside down fork. And at the back you've got a monoshock mm -hmm. with preload adjustment. Okay. So in terms of equipment, they're doing pretty well. Nice. Electronics, uh, it's ride by wire, so it has, I think, three levels of traction control and okay. you can turn it off. You've got two ABS calibrations, mm. dual channel and front only. The front only is to be thought of as a race ABS because it uh, intervenes much slide. later. Oh, sorry, it intervenes much later in the front. Okay. The rear, of course, is switched off completely. Okay. And I think if you have dual channel ABS on, then it does have rear lift mitigation, so you can't actually stop it over and fall off. Okay. That's basically the bike. This is wrapped up in Aprilia standard. No, no, one sec. Screen? Screens? No. Uh, yeah, it's a 5-inch TFT screen. Mm -hmm. Very, very neat, clean graphics. Uh, it, certain screens in there are kind of a little cluttered. Mm -hmm. The switch cubes are pretty decent. Mm -hmm. uh, you will be, get used to using them pretty easily. And they have shortcuts to change modes, so you can change modes nice. on the fly. Uh, the Tono actually has a very nice system. Uh, and the RSV4, where you have a minus and a plus button Correct. between the throttle and the switch. So you go minus to lower traction control and plus, and it's seamless, it's right there, it's very useful. <laughs> this bike does not have that system. Right. But you've got a four-way switch, and you go up and down, and it changes uh, traction control, you press and hold, I think if I remember correctly, it changes ABS modes, it's done quite nicely. ABS modes obviously have to come to a stop, mm. but uh, you can change traction control on the move. Nice. It's very, very nicely done that way. Okay. This is wrapped up in Italian grade styling, so it yeah. does look like a small RS660, it looks very nice. Finish levels to my eyes look quite good. Uh, people who saw this bike at the India Bike Week said that was probably a prototype because the finish levels were not as good as these are. And they're still saying that when we get the bikes for test, we should look closer because there may be a little bit of a rough edge here and there. But it looked neatly finished. It looked clean. It looked high quality to mm. me. You get three colors. Mm. White is what I rode. You get the black, which they call the racing stripes, which has the three red stripes on the side, mm. uh, which is the which is in Europe, America, it's about $100 more on the price from mm. the other models, but in India, it's the same price. And then you have this, uh, it's a weird color because it's a mix of black and purple and slightly yeah. shimmery and stuff. So in the light at Curry Motor Speedway, I didn't think it looked too hot, yeah. but I think other people will think of it as a... I did, I did notice it because I was, uh, what, what, what should I call it? 
I was following it online. So it's called prismatic black. So it ha- it looks slightly different. Sometimes it looks slightly more purple. Sometimes it looks kind of black. It's interesting. I didn't think very highly oh, of yeah? it because I think the white just looks spectacular. Yeah. They've also done some very clever things like the indicators are integrated into the edge of the headlight. So there's no stocks in the front, mm. all of this kind of thing. It's not a small motorcycle in presentation. It does look substantial, not large, but obviously not compact. And it's very front heavy in the designs. So it looks like a lot of work went into the front mm. and then the tail sort of just ends, but it's not going to be super useful. What I love about the, the fared RSV's designs is that somehow the fairing doesn't feel as elaborate mm. as the but other fared bikes, right? But it is. It's layered and you know, yeah. it, it always has this sense of lightness about it rather yeah. than a big cloak having yes. covered the motorcycle up. Yeah. And, and they've done it really nicely because when you look closer at the fairing, you're absolutely right. It's not what looks like a complicated fairing. Yeah. But the closer you look, the more you yeah. realize there are layers, there are panels and there's stuff going on. And none of it feels flimsy or cheap quality. So I'm happy nice. with what I saw of the RS457. Okay. So that should give you a sense of what the bike is. Mm. That brings us to the question of what happened next. Mm, wait. Uh, I'm going to start with the exhaust note because that's the only other part I know. It sounded awesome. It did sound awesome. So when I walked into the event, Aprilia events are not the best organized events mm-hmm. uh, generally. Uh, so I walked in and I had a lot of time before my riding session and it wasn't very clear what I was supposed to do with my time. And usually you can't meet the Aprilia engineers at events like this. Somehow it just never works like that. So I basically hung out at the middle of the racetrack on the first floor and I could hear the bikes on all sides and it does sound good on the stock exhaust. The reason for that is they have a 270 degree crank. So it anyways, a better sounding. Right. Uh, the, the engineers will tell you it brings the parallel twin sound as close to a V-twin as possible. So that's what it sounds like. And uh, the exhaust is underslung. So there's no actual uh, can which you can right. see. I quite like it. Although we do have questions from users who say, why didn't they do a can? Honestly, I prefer the underbelly exhaust a lot more than I prefer the things sticking out. Tomorrow, if you decide to travel on this motorcycle, you can just put saddlebags and not have to worry about an upswift can and stuff. There is a lot of practicality that comes from the underslung exhaust. Mm. And it's a sports bike. So I'm not going to say water wading and all of these are primary considerations when they designed it. Which brings me to a point, don't think of this as a bike Aprilia built for India. Mm. It's not. It happens to be manufactured in India. It was completely developed in Italy. I don't believe beyond validation and verification any work has happened in India, which is why there's only been, if I'm not mistaken, one or two spy shots of this bike in Indian conditions. So it is made at uh, the Piaggio plant in Baramati, which they always call Baramati. I love saying that. It's such a nice word, Baramati. So it's made there. Almost everything is locally sourced. So this is an indigenous production, which means the aluminum frame is Indian which means the engine is made here, which I think makes it the only motorcycle twin cylinder engine which is in local production. And no, I refuse to consider the Ninja 300 as important enough to warrant any part of this discussion. Not including the RE's, of course. Not including the Royal Enfields. I'm saying in the sporty, sport bike key mm. kind of category where the range globally is basically RC390, Ninja 400, uh, CBR 500. When the Ninja 500 comes, that motorcycle uh, R3 and now the RS457. In all of these markets, the RS457 is more expensive than the competition, whereas more or less everything else is roughly the same price. So in India, the RS457 as a locally made twin is about a lakh and 20 cheaper than the Ninja 400. Hmm. Everywhere else on earth, it's the other way around, where the Ninja 400 is uh, quite a bit cheaper uh, than the Aprilia. Well, I'm just glad that it's the Italians who are showing the way forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and this, I, I would I would this project is something that's been in the 
background for ages in some yeah. form or the other. Yeah. It was a smaller displacement and then it's moved up to this. It's taken years, but mm. Aprilia got here before the Japanese did. Yeah, and they've really maxed everything out. So it makes 47 bhp, which is the maximum allowable in the learner category of motorcycles uh, abroad. Then the A2 license has a certain, I think it's 0.2 kilowatt per uh, kg or KG, something. Yeah. There's a part to weight ratio. Mm. That's what the part to weight <laughs> ratio is. So they've really maxed this motorcycle out, which should tell you that there is no more powerful version of this coming. Okay, okay there is a Trofeo version, uh, which is like the trophy. Uh, and Aprilia does the trophy version for the RS660, mm. but the Trofeo has a SC project exhaust, it has ECU tuning, etc. Okay. That bike will make more performance. But if you think that you're going to wait a little bit and get a more powerful RS457, I don't think Aprilia is planning to make one. So the Trofeo you're saying is going to deliver more performance? Yes, but it's not a homologated street legal model. Okay. There's already a disparity between the accessory list, which is I think 28 odd items, hmm. what they list in the US, what they list in Europe, and what they list in India, three so they're offering some pieces. accessories here already? Yeah, there's some uh, indoor cover, outdoor cover, taller screen kind of thing. Okay. Uh, Massimiliano, who is the head of the RF457 project, told me that the quick shifter up and down will be brought to India as an accessory. Hmm. But it's nowhere on the website. But yes, Europe and Amer American markets will expect to have the uh, up and down quick shifter available as an accessory. If I had an RS457 in India, I'd totally get that. It does improve okay. your experience. Okay. Again, you don't need it, need it. Okay, but uh, it's a good toy to have. I'm, I'm going to hit pause here. Um, we heard the sound. Okay. Uh, what's it like getting onto the motorcycle? Is Normal. Tall? No. Body position from your waist down is slightly committed. Slightly. Slightly. As easy as R3? Uh, no. Slightly more committed than that. Okay. But the upper body is actually a pretty relaxed riding position. Okay. So the clip-ons are not too low. Okay. Uh, they've organized the clip-ons as a top triple tree, which brings you, which goes up and then gives you the mounting point for the clip-on, so it's actually pretty high. I think that the current RC390, the R3, and the RS457 all, and the Ninja 400, all fall in the category of what I classify as reasonably comfortable sports bikes. So if you had an R15, for example, as a reference point, the R15 is a heck of a lot more committed than mm. these all these four bikes mm. are. So if you were to think of this as a touring bike or a sport touring bike, I think you'd manage. Awesome. Okay. I think you'd so manage. So you're onto the motorcycle, it's a little bit can't, I mean, you're leaning forward a bit, but not too much. Okay, you get going. So, and you already said it's a 270 degree crank. So it should be easy to pull off. You don't have to rev it up too much. It just gets going. No, it's it's like a normal street bike as you're leaving Pitlane. Okay. So you're not really struggling with it and you're not having to shift up or shift down. You can be in any gear you like, it's mm -hmm. fine. And uh, Lorenzo Savadori, the MotoGP guy was there. And he was saying that at this racetrack, which is a relatively slow and technical racetrack, a lot of slowing down and picking up pace again. Try and use a gear higher than you think because the bike has a lot of torque, which is true. Right. I, I, you could do Curry Motor Speedway at a very reasonable pace in third gear almost all the way around without ever needing to hit second. It does have that kind of torque. Wow. In the middle of the corner, you discover that you're in the wrong gear. It's not a crisis. You know that on the other side, when you start to open the throttle, it will have the wherewithal to just let you get going without making you struggle for it. So what's the problem? I mean, is it that it's not revving that much? It's not, it doesn't have the punch up top? When did I say that there was a problem? It's a 9 on 10, remember? Okay, fine. Yeah, so no, it goes really well. So if you look at the long straight, right? You come out of the last corner hmm. and there's new patches there. And I had only 15-20 minutes. I'm not used to that place. I wasn't trying anything. Hmm. And I was still hitting, I think the fastest I saw was 164 before I braked for turn one. 
Okay. Uh, some of the lighter riders and some of the guys who were riding better than me on the day, I think they saw 175, 178. Uh, the global media seems to suggest that the top speed should be in the 180 kilometers an hour region. Okay. So I think this is a reasonably flexible engine. Yes, that does mean a 20457. We'll discuss that. Um, I think it's a reasonably flexible engine. It revs out very nicely. It sounds great. It's a little bit buzzy on the top, but nothing that I would complain about at all. I'm just making you aware. that the smoothness you feel at the bottom doesn't last all the way till the top it's a very minor difference but it's there and uh, so it's actually smoother lower revs yeah. smooth yeah it's quite smooth at lower revs oh yeah. wow yeah i i would not complain about refinement on this bike it sounds very nice in your ears okay. it goes really well i don't remember my hands being buzzed after the session although we are constantly sitting at high revs on a race track i think on the street it'll turn out to be a really pleasant enjoyable and reasonably rapid motorcycle it didn't feel slow at all and i haven't ridden at kari with its new layout so the track was a very technical track requiring yeah. you to nail the lines get your transitions right you had to flick the bike quite uh, aggressively at two three points on the track uh, so i haven't ridden there after the uh, what would be the now it's no longer the first corner what used to be the earlier first corner at the end of the straight yeah and then c2 up yeah and then you flick twice yeah. you yeah. know once up and then in the mid section are those still there yeah and what's it like there easy it's easy Look, I'm really excited about this bike. Okay, yeah, I know you're trying to break this down into like little, little, little pieces, but the I'm trying to find that one, one. But <laughs> the upshot of this motorcycle is that it makes everything seem simple, uncomplicated, and easy, and at pace, which I think is a great starting point for somebody wanting a nice uh, uh, track bike uh, and a sports bike. And if you think about it, the RC 390 was a challenging motorcycle at the beginning. Yeah. It's become less challenging. Yeah. It's become easier and easier to access its performance. The R3 has easily accessible performance. The Ninja 400 is easily accessible performance. So does the 457. The 457 is a twin cylinder and it's less expensive than a Ninja 400. Okay, screw this. Uh, 390 Duke became our benchmark for handling. Yeah, it's not a 390 Duke. The 390 Duke will feel much lighter. One, it'll feel more torquey at the beginning. Yeah. Or two, uh, three, because it's a naked, it'll obviously be more flexible yeah. uh, than the 660, and the riding position is less committed. Yeah. But to me, if you ride the two back to back, I don't think you're going to get confused because what the 660 promises is 457. very uh, sorry. What the 457 promises is very different from what the 390 promises. So you could think of them as similarly priced or have similar performance, but the riding experience is totally different. The KTM does its usual brand of uh, Maharashtra Austria madness, yeah. and the RS uh, 457 is just calm, and it's focused, and it has some very Aprilia qualities to it. Uh, can I tell you about those now? Go for okay. it, man. So uh, you should know that a lot of what the 457 does is based on how the 660 does, which is its closest. Um, I'm going to say soul cousin. Hmm. No, not engineering cousin because there's nothing that's been taken from the 660 and brought okay. here at all. So the engine is brand new. The format of how they mounted to the chassis is from the 660, hmm. but that's about it. Hmm. What I love about Aprilias is that the front ends of Aprilias it just have so much stability built into them, hmm. and you can trust them with so much. So my Tono, you can do stupid things with that front end. It'll continue to hold on and give you grip and feedback and stuff. And the 457 is exactly like that. So I'm not a heavy trail breaker, and I slowly was encouraged by the motorcycle to try more and more and more trail breaking. And uh, it just felt completely natural. It felt like this is exactly how you should be riding a motorcycle. And on an unfamiliar racetrack, I haven't ridden them there since the new layout more than what two times. Okay. On an unfamiliar motorcycle, on an unfamiliar day with. Uh, a clock running in the background with other people still waiting to ride the bike it felt completely normal to push the front and it was just right there and full points to the uh, eurogrip protoc extremes which are the standard tires all over the world 
it will go with these uh, Eurogrip, that's TVS manufactured tires. It will go with these tires all over the world. I've used those on my KTM for a year and a half or something now. And they always are, raved about them. They are brilliant tires. This uh, monsoon season on the KTM, I rode it like it was dry every day. I, mean, I didn't even back off like that much for the rain. So not, uh, not advising everybody does that. No, I'm just nah. saying that's the kind of grip, hmm. feedback, hmm. Uh, consistency and uh, confidence that those tires give you. Hmm. Uh, there, there was a strange thing going on when I showed up because a lot of people were complaining about the tires. Right. And I couldn't understand why would you complain about the extremes because they're just so good. Huh. They were running 19 PSI front and 20 PSI rear oh. on a motorcycle that stock is 28 or 29 and 33 at the back. Okay. Okay. So I was like, these are racer boy pressures and if you right. can ride as hard as a racer boy, you can exploit these tire pressures. Mm. So I understood why people were saying that it feels a little squishy at the front sometimes or it slides here and there and stuff. I ran 25, 27 I think. So roughly 3 PSI under stock or 4, 5 PSI under stock. Rock solid. No issues from the tires at all. At no point did the motorcycle make me worry. When I avoid, I, I'm not confident about the long fast ride. So I tried multiple lines there. I had to make corrections there. My throttle openings were all over the place. And the bike just did not react. And it says, I've got you. I'm not an R15, but I've got you. Uh, the R15 is the legend for all of this nonsense. You can pull all of this nonsense on an R15 and get cheat away with it. Cheat code bike. Yeah, he likes to call it the cheat code bike. The RS457's mood to me, it also says it's a cheat code bike. Mess around, it's okay. Uh, it'll recover, it'll help. And unlike the R15, it's got much better electronics. Right. Uh, and therefore, the helping hand at the back is a much bigger hand as it were. Hmm. So, if uh, this is going to be a first oh, man. quick sports bike, I think it's going to be a really good first sports bike. Not for selfish reasons at all. At all. But, you know, like when the Duke came out, we had this conversation about, you know, because he has the first gen Duke, I've owned both generations of the Duke. So he said, are you going to get one? I said, mm. okay, this is obviously selfish reasons. But uh, <laughs> I said, no, I think I'm past that now, right? But when the 457 came on the scene, I was immediately like, hmm. This could be something interesting. I, I, I'm totally telling you that if you and your friends want to do track days regularly, don't buy a RS457 each. For every two persons, get one RS457 uh, and alternate your sessions. One guy ride in this group, one guy ride in that group. I think you'll have a fantastic time. And I'm saying take a stock bike and do this. Don't spend any money until you become fast enough to exploit more from this motorcycle. Just don't do anything. Yeah, with all, I mean, easy performance, great chassis. Good set of electronics. Yeah. Right? Did you at any point feel the electronics were getting No, I didn't. Way? I didn't. I, I, I was on a really nice, bright, relatively warm day huh. on the correct tire pressures, trying to be as smooth as possible and not toss the bike and then cause problems for other people. So I didn't try anything very serious, but I no point did I feel like I was approaching the limit or I needed help from traction control and it didn't happen. Uh, the weakest link is the brakes, actually. That's why I abandoned my session. Oh. Yeah, so when I got there, the other complaint apart from tires was everybody was saying the brakes are fading, the brakes are fading, the brakes are fading. I met Varun Painter there mm. and Varun was sitting in pit lane waiting to, I think he just finished his riding session, so brakes were hot. And they were preparing to go out to do the tracking shots. Mm. And he's like, look at these brakes and he basically pulled it back to the bar at stand, wow. right? So I had a fair warning and then Rishad, uh, that's Autocars Rishad, he told me that uh, maybe you want to turn ABS to race mode so that the rear is off. It seems to help the front survive a little bit longer. Okay. But he was also complaining about brake fade. So okay. I said, okay, let's try that. So I rode in uh, race ABS, which doesn't matter because I never use the rear brake at the racetrack unless the motorcycle is super fast or I think there is a stability issue, I won't touch my rear brakes. Mm -hmm. so, and I did for this entire session. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the rear brake does. But 
in the pit lane when I got my bike and I'm going to say there was a 20 odd minute delay while we pumped up my tires and somebody else's tires to the temperature, uh, to the pressures we wanted. I could still pull the brake lever almost halfway down into it's, its travel at the start. That's trouble. That is That's trouble. Frightening. So what happens after that is when I start braking hard, I start trail braking, the bar, the lever starts to come back. And when I abandoned it, I'm thinking this is six or seven laps in. Uh, that's what I was doing actually. When you were listening to the songs, I was calculating how many laps it was. It was about seven laps. And the eighth time I'm going into turn one, hmm. turn one at Curry is very slow, but you arrive at it at a really fast speed. So on that particular, and so I've been doing 159, 160 into the brakes there for X number of laps, seven laps. So I hit the brake and I started to trail brake up to the apex of the first part of the chicane because you can, it's confident. I mean, there's nothing going on. There's nobody around you. It's peaceful. And it's got massive runoff because the old circuit is in front it's of you. Straight, yeah. So if you make a mistake, you can just carry on straight and there's, I'm going to say 100 meters, 120 meters before you have to make the right turn to rejoin the circuit. So it's a safe place to try. Okay. So I was on the brakes and it was so weak by then the brakes that I actually had the brake lever against the throttle grip. Imagine that I am trail braking. I'm, I'm not a regular trail breaker. I have four fingers on the brake lever and I have basically jammed the lever into the grip while I'm turning, I'm still confident about the front. I'm not worried. And then it did this. And at that point, I said, now the brakes have reached a point where I can't even trail brake. And as I'm letting off the brake, it is beginning to lose the front. This is not a bike that needs to be ridden any longer. So I went back around the circuit, parked the bike for the day and I called it done. Now, I asked Aprilia what's going on. And they told us, and we've heard this before, I'll tell you why, uh, that this is a street setup. So if you were to explore pads and stuff, then the setup would really work well at the racetrack. Well, two things. One, I have ridden other street bikes in completely street form. None of them have had brake fade this level for sure at all, ever. So what are the other hoses? Like It's braided hoses. So it shouldn't be the hoses. hoses. Yeah. So maybe they bled them wrong because all the bikes were struggling. Or they've got a terrifyingly bad choice of brake pad uh, material or something. I don't know. Okay, honestly, I, I, I don't have diagnostics See, on it. brake fade is... Your issue with the fluid, the fluid is heating up too much. Yeah, so and it's got dot four. Oh. So it shouldn't happen. The only other bike that for the badge, but no, you were, it was working okay after that. Yeah, so the only bike we've suffered this on was uh, the JSX S1000, hmm. which had crippling brake fade. And the Suzuki guys told us that Japan says if it's a street bike and the S1000 is a street bike, you don't get braided hoses as standard. You Neither does it. the Busa. Neither does the Busa. So what would be the fix for this? How I think when I, if I were to buy this bike and bring it home, a in the street replicating that kind of crippling brake fade would actually be an impossible thing to do mm -hmm. because we were riding hard and curry puts a lot of strain on the brakes yeah. now because turn one you're braking from 160 down to zero, on the other side of the circuit you're braking from 150 down to uh, 30, 40, 50 whatever your turn in speed is for the chicane. Mm -hmm. uh, on the fast left you don't brake a lot, so you come into the last. Uh, complex at a really high speed and again break down to a much lower speed. So there's three very heartbreaking uh, places and this happens on the space of about hour and a half minutes at my pace for the faster guys take another 10-15 seconds off that, right? So you're, you're working the brakes loading the brakes up with heat quite a bit three times in a circuit. So every, let's call it 30 seconds, there's a massive heat event in the brake. Mm -hmm. And I would think that just changing uh, to 5.1 brake fluid, which has a much higher boiling point, that should solve 90% of it. Uh, bled well, should return a lot of feedback. Mm. And these are by brake units, front and rear, 320 front, 240 rear, I think. So I'm not sure that these brake pads will not be an easy thing to change into something more aggressive. Mm. So I'm not saying it's a crippling hardware issue. 
I'm not even thinking that you're going to be able to replicate it on the street. Mm. But it did interrupt my session to the point where I said, okay, I understand what this bike is for. It's amazing in so many ways. But this brake is now done, so I have to park the bike. Oh, I think for this, we have to find a solution. For its intended for no selfish reasons at yeah, all. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I really loved how Aprilia it felt. Mm. And it shouldn't be a surprise because this is a completely Italian developed product. Mm. Uh, the press release that went out to the world said it was completely built in the Noale facility. Uh, so India's role primarily is a manufacturer's role and they're using the Piaggio plant at Baramati to do it. Uh, and therefore, it comes to India and it will be exported from here to the world in the same spec apart from regulatory requirements. So obviously, there's no point selling sari guards to the Americans. Uh, somebody specifically asked, where is the front number plate going to go? The honest answer is, I don't know yet. Uh, we didn't have them mounted on our bikes. I don't know where the front number plate is going to go. Okay. Uh, and uh, apart from that, very nice bike, Aprilia. It's a great job. I love it. Woohoo! Oh my God! Yeah, this is like exciting. Yeah, yeah, very, very exciting. And at a price about a lakh more than a RC three ninety. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it is good value, yeah. but I. But if you upgrade to the Aprilia, I'd know why you did it, yeah. and I think it'd be money decently spent. You know, I I actually think it's good value. I mean, I'm not, I'm not having ridden it, but the flexibility that a twin provides, like the ease that it brings to a lot of things, right? Yeah. Which uh, just makes life a bit more pleasant. Yeah. And then that bike becomes something that you think of in a longer time span. Yeah. Right? You're not automatically thinking, okay, after this what? Yeah. Because there's a lot more to unlock in it, right? Yeah. I can imagine this once you, I mean, once the brakes are fixed, that when you're on a track, in attack yeah. mode, there's be so much more to build up and uh, go through. Honestly, I am... Of the opinion that that single to twin difference that everybody paints out to be is not as large a difference at this displacement mm. and performance scale. Mm. So if you had a next year's RC390 which will probably have the 47 bhp engine mm. and the Aprilia with 48 odd bhp, I am not convinced mm. that the amount of ability that these two bikes will have mm. will be significantly different. Um, I think the nuances of the experience will be different. And there'll be a reason why the KTM will look like better value for money because it's 80,000 bucks cheaper. Mm. And there'll also be a reason why the Aprilia will feel like a very good purchase for 80,000 rupees more because it has so many other things mm. going on. Like the KTM traction control system, if you think about it, is a relatively rudimentary system. Yeah. Aprilia doesn't do rudimentary at all. Mm. Uh, my Tuono is from 2016 and it feels like a sophisticated traction control system. And so, it, so I would expect that this bike would be too and it has levels and controllability and you can turn traction control off. Yeah. Right? So, it's already a more flexible, uh, more well-equipped machine in that sense. Yeah. Then you add the second cylinder's advantage back. Then you add the fact that you've got double preload adjustability on the front and at the rear. And it does add up to a very different experience where you'd say if you spend 80,000 bucks more, yeah, you're okay. Mm. And if you didn't spend the 80,000 bucks and got the KTM instead, yeah, you're okay. Yeah, but that's, that's what I mean. Like, it's not that the outright ability will be different in terms of, like, let's say, Skilled rider handling both motorcycles. Yeah, you'd you'd get you'd get, you'd be close. you'd be in the ballpark. Yeah. yeah, but the ease with which people can step it up, right? It'll, be, this, it'll be very similar because the KTM has changed. It has, but the single mid corners. Yeah, it still won't have the same kind of ease as the twin. Uh, that also has changed because the three nineties new engine does have mid mid uh, mid range grunt now, which it didn't. Okay, how much does this rev to? Uh, ten thousand, eleven thousand something. Oh, ten eleven. Think about the peak horsepower. Peak horsepower is 9,500. They haven't made the mistake of having a 13,000 RPM twin. Oh, okay. And I'm calling it a mistake okay, because uh, it's a very usable configuration for the street, which is why when they do the 20457, 
And obviously, Aprilia doesn't say that they're doing a tone of. Oh, I thought it would rev a bit higher. No, it doesn't. There's no need because it's a it's a calm twin and it has a lot of torque. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different bike in nature, and it's closer in nature to the RC 390 than, for example, the Ninja 400. But mm-hmm. you know what they've done? They didn't load the bike up. It's not heavy. It's what four kilos heavier than a RC 390. Wow. But it's a twin. So the performance is going to be very similar. It's not like the RC 390 is going to use a weight advantage and run away from this bike. It can't. The Ninja 400 has uh, regular telescopic forks, a steel frame, blah oh, blah blah blah. Now you want to see these on the track together. I do want. I want to see the see these three back to, uh, four back to back on the track too. And where the R3 is automatically a friendly, easy motorcycle, yeah. and therefore slightly soft when yeah. you pick up the pace. The Aprilia is not. It's I know what I'm doing. Mm. I love it. It's, okay, uh, everyday use. Advantage. I think you should be okay. I don't know what the heat level is. The radiators, how much heat they'll put out, I don't know. We only rode it at the race. But track. by the twins' format, it will be easier to chug along with. Yeah, it should be because yeah. uh, if you think about the slower corners coming on to the last uh, on the last straight, many times there were people there, or I was not committed to the corners. I was basically waffling around, hmm. and I was waffling at what four thousand, five thousand RPM. Hmm. Pulse. Okay. Um, but the, the what else? Uh, pillion? No, you said pillion. Uh, so the token. some of the Aprilia staff were taking joy rides with uh, Lorenzo Savadori, yeah. and uh, really, yeah, and it looked like a bit of a struggle to get on and all of that. Yeah. He was giving joy rides. You know how the Italians are, right? They were happy to share. Yeah. So he had a bike to himself. Yeah. So no pressure from that side. He is Lorenzo Savadori. I mean, so people said, "Can I take a test ride?" So go get leathers. So they all wore some leathers and they went for test rides. Everybody had a good laugh. It's good. Oh fun. wow, that yeah. is cool. Yeah, we had a chance to ride with him on the race track too, which I obviously refused to. Hmm. Because he wasn't going fast. Hmm. Because I mean, he's MotoGP. If he goes fast, he'll disappear. And you, what's the point? <laughs> right. So it's like a friendly ride, which yeah. basically is sort of looks like a parade and only looks good in the drone shots. So I had no interest in that. Hmm. And then somebody who went for one of the other sessions with Savadori said, "So this goes on for two two and a half laps. So you get kind of bored." Hmm. And then he basically takes off. And then everybody says, "Now we will also go." And then three corners later, he backs off just to give you a sense of how much faster he is or whatever. Oh my god! And then it's done. So I said, "This I can watch from pit lane. I don't need to get on the bike to do yeah. this because if I if there was actual more riding time, I would be very interested in it." But I think let's do uh, questions. All right, let's go. Okay, so these are the questions that you have shared with us. Uh, big brands are playing in the 300 to 500 cc range. Is this the breakthrough range India needed, and will this be an encouraging time? Where brands like Suzuki, Honda, and Yamaha, who are literally neglecting this gap, will make a comeback. Also, do you think this is the perfect CC range for India to be developed to its optimum? Well, yes. I think a 40 bhp bike is about all you need to do a lot of riding in India under all conditions, all kinds of formats. 40 bhp is a very, very golden hotspot to be able to hit. Many people are able to hit it today. We are very happy about it. Will that change the Japanese perspective? I think the only the Japanese know what will change their perspective because at the moment I think they don't have a perspective. The f- 40 bhp plus only being four kilos lighter than its uh, than a single cylinder. I think that combination of performance, I mean that power, weight, the ease. Okay, would it sustain in the long term as the only bike in the garage with respect to Aprilia's service network and parts availability? Yeah, so the service and parts availability thing is a sticky wicket. Okay. Uh, I did ask Aprilia this question. They seem genuinely surprised that there was a question about their service quality, which is never a good sign. But you guys have told us that SR one sixty etc. parts are hard to find. Service can be a little bit annoying, frustrating, and frictionful, as it were. So I know that Aprilia service network doesn't currently have a great reputation. What Aprilia is doing in India is that they have a list of thirty 
three or 50 cities, I forget the number, but it's on Aprilia India's website, you can check it out. Those are the cities where the RS-457 will be available to purchase. As the assumption is that's where the service network will also be uh, in existence. And they're saying they're working very hard to make sure that the 457 customer has a great experience in service. Uh, but you have to take it at face value until they show us that this is actually happening. So when you buy a 457, if you leave us a comment telling us how your service experience has been, it will be good. It's not a clear picture though at the end of all of this. Okay, warranty is 3 years, 36,000 kilometers, uh, which is kind of low for this class, but it is what it is. Uh, RSA is included in that, so that's good. Now, somebody from Aprilia said service interval is 12,000 kilometers in once a year. But the Aprilia website lists three services are free within 12,000 kilometers in the first year, which implies that you will service this three times a year. So, I don't know what it is. Okay. Word of mouth, the guy said categorically and clearly one service a year, 12,000 kilometers apart. Okay. This sounds very Aprilia as well. Yeah. Apart from the specs, <laughs> what would be your top three reasons to get this over an R3? Of course, price is out of the equation. Uh, I think the RS will be more exciting to ride than the R3. I think the R3 has a dual character in terms of being a reasonably comfortable bike and a sports bike. And in some ways, if you think of the R3, it's more something that will be happy touring in India than mm. the 457 would be. 457 is a little bit more focused as a sport bike than the R3 is. Right. And the last point is, I think qualitatively, if you park the R3 and the Aprilia next to each other, the Aprilia will feel like a far more premium product. Oh, next really? To the Yamaha. Yeah. The Italians know how to do that part. There's oh, no wow. doubt about it. Given how much the 390 Duke has improved, would it be wise to wait for the updated RC390? Yes. Nice. No, the other reason why I also said yes instantly is because by that time, this engine will be a stable engine. Because the Duke's engine would have been in the market for almost a year at that point. We know that the current RC is not going to change significantly. But when it does, it will get better and the current RC frame is already in a great place. So the new RC promises to be amazing. By that time, the RS will also be about a year old in the market. Which means if there are any issues, teething related, production related, early issues, examples, service, whatever it is, you'll have better information. So I think the KTM information cycle will be shorter. And the Aprilia information cycle needs to be longer. And both of them coincide with the timeline you've put. So I think, yes, it's a clever idea to wait for the updated RC to come. People have less exposure towards this brand in general in India. Do you think that will be a concern for the loyal customers in quotes? We have with specific brands here. Will this grow on us? I think all brands have to start somewhere. I'm happy Aprilia has started. I think they've started with a good bike. If they can nail the other parts of the uh, universe that is required to build their brand out, I think they're a very powerful brand that builds some really amazing motorcycles. So, I think they'll find loyalists if the 457 just uh, clicks into place. Um, can you guys rank all four bikes in the segment on the basis of following factors on a racetrack? Ease of ride and rider engagement. The options are RS457, R3, RC390 and Ninja 400. Uh, no, I cannot no. rank. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll tell you why we can't. Uh, ease of riding, for example, is a subjective assessment. Ease of riding depends on who you are, what you prefer, how much you've ridden, first track day or not, 35, uh, 35 track days later, 100 track days later. Ease of use in terms of what it is and how important it is to you will both change. Similarly, rider engagement is a super subjective thing. Uh, I think that the calmness of the R3 is something that I would like to improve upon and make it a little bit more exciting. But that may not be to your taste. I think that the RS457 is a reasonably calm, very quick motorcycle, which is great for the first session. I don't know how great it will be 10 sessions later. Oh, wow. Right? No, I'm saying subjectively. 
No, no, it's fine. It was a valid point. I didn't. I I got a bit carried away. I so I cannot ever rank motorcycles one, two, three, four the way you expect me to because I don't know who you are. If we were to meet somewhere, have a one-on-one conversation where I get a bigger sense of what kind of things you prefer, I think I would be able to help you with the ranking, but not in general, not in public, and not by generalizing stuff until it's uh, more or less uh, not useful. Okay. Um, should you wait for the second batch? Yes, always. And also, okay. I don't question to that, so you can answer Sorry. it. Is uh, does it apply to bikes? International market thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so the simple answer to this is: first, there is no way to tell when the second second batch begins. The only way to do this is to just hold your horses, sit on your money, and wait a little bit. Uh, usually, three to four months. In the RS four five sevens case, just because it is being exported shouldn't make any difference to you because it is still being made at the same factory. So I would still wait. Remember that. the american european markets generally have a lot more tolerance for bikes with failures than we do so the idea that my bike is brand new it's having an issue it needs to be solved itself is a less urgent thing than it happens here so i would still track the indian market a lot more closely than i would track the 457 in the international markets and i would still advise you if you are worried about this wait this is not for everybody though okay among us are three kinds of people the people who like to take things on early and then enjoy the fact that they are in an exclusive club for a while and they're willing to live with all the pros and cons of that picture and many of times the cons is that it's not finished or it has things that need to be upgraded or changed then there are those of us who are slightly behind that curve we want them to be the first guinea pigs as it were and once it seems more stable we are quite happy to jump in and then there is the mass which actually arrives much later once all of these things are known established and safe figure out who you are instead of worrying about it like this because if your mentality is the mass market mentality you have to wait otherwise you'll be dissatisfied with your early purchase okay people are asking is this the start of the the trinity to no and uh, to Touring. It should be okay. Look, the flexibility of the engine says that when uh, Aprilia puts this in a Tuono, uh, Aprilia hasn't said that they are, but I think they will. Uh, when they put it in a Tuono, they won't have to do much because the engine's already quite flexible. The gearing seems okay. I don't know that I'd need to do much. Like I would, at best, maybe lower the gearing by changing the front or the rear sprocket a little bit, and that be that. And in uh, Aprilia's history, the first Tuono and the first RSV were actually the same bike with fairings change and handlebars change. So Aprilia already knows that uh, when they do an RS, when they do a Tuono, they don't need to do much. Yeah. Today's RSV is actually the Tuono's engine that has gone back to the RSV, so they're happy yeah. to do this. So they just should, because it's a flexible engine and you don't really need 180 kilometer capability on a Touareg. I can easily see that they could scale that back and put it into an EDV style format and build a Touareg out of it. will they do it to me it makes sense yeah uh, i think to aprilia also it makes sense but can they officially confirm that they are working on this no okay uh first gen duke no um should he upgrade get a test right uh since aprilia is known for very good reliability we've spoken about it prior uh, okay so from what is worth my experience and the bunch of rsvs that we get at the race track none of them ever seem to have any problems reliability is not a factor i i don't see it as a problem Okay. I mean, not at the brand level. I don't know about the RS four five seven specifically. I'm saying at the brand level, the Italians get a lot more flack for being unreliable than they right. actually deserve today. They've moved on. Uh, yeah. If you think of the BMW GS as a reliable motorcycle, Ducati's motorcycles use roughly the same set of electronic components from Bosch. I'm thinking Aprilia also does the same. No, I think they've moved on from there. Yeah, We've so had experiences exactly. In the past. So I wouldn't automatically assume that just because it's Italian or it's Aprilia, it would be unreliable. I think that is not a conclusion that holds water in 2023. Does it feel like a segment about the 390? Qualitatively, yes. 
some of the feelings yes the quality of the screen the level of electronics available and all of that yes okay uh, far enough away to justify 80000 or not i've said this before i think you can make a case for the rc390 being meta value for money and the rs457 being a worthwhile upgrade both okay. a good upgrade from an r15 oh yeah for sure uh, you will be surprised at how similar they are in how in the middle of a corner when you make a mistake they have very similar manners but the rs is not as committed a riding position as the r15 so actually it's a little bit easier to ride so yeah i think it will be a great upgrade can this be someone's first bike i would be very afraid to buy a 50 bhp bike as a first bike it's the wrong way to do it it's very fast it requires a fair amount of skill and if you hurt yourself that early in your career because you didn't have these things in place i'm not sure your parents are going to be very happy about it and let you continue to ride yeah so i would say stay under 25 30 bhp for your first bike and then move to something like this uh, the european a2 license is still not the a1 license as it were remember it's one step up so i'd be a little bit scared to get something of this kind of speed and capability as a first bike uh, i think it is worth pointing out that a motorcycle like an r15 can be a great first step first bike for people who are enthusiasts because it does provide you a cushion in the sense that it's far easier uh, to make mistakes on it that slight difference in your top speed the acceleration is a big difference because yeah. how quickly you get to stuff changes and so your opportunity to make mistakes right reduces with that acceleration so being able to get the basics right giving yourself the time for that is very important you could do it with something like this if you were super careful but the conditions are always not in our control so it's good to step up yeah through 100%. the power range if if i had a kid today and he was part of this current generation of instant gratification and everything needs to happen instantly they would be a very frustrated child because they'd have <laughs> to go through the process of having a small bike first then having a slightly larger bike then having a slightly larger bike and one day i'd have the confidence you can take any bike in my garage and call it yours and do what you want with it but they'd have to get there by building it Absolutely. up they would not get access to something with 50 bhp on day one no no chance it's a question of responsibility that responsibility has to be sitting in you do you have it shumi will a person with a big belly be able to ride this kind of sport bike and lean on the tank <laughs> <laughs> i think you might you should go get a test ride for sure i think the test rides are available from january onwards although the bikes are going to be delivered from march onwards it is a spacious motorcycle the upper body is a reasonably relaxed riding position it's the lower body that is kind of folded up so go get a test ride it might actually work okay how long before we can expect prices to come down given that they have set up factory in bharat they're not going to come down for sure and they're probably not going up very quickly either because aprilia has not said this is an introductory price anywhere it is it is 4.1 lakhs ex showroom and i think it will remain 4.1 x for a some time to come right um uh, you know what the strange thing hmm. the aprilia india website says limited quantities only hey, i was going to ask you there's no information on it i don't know what the limitation on quantities is it didn't sound like from the conversations we had that aprilia india was waiting saying when 1000 bookings are done we'll just shut it you know what it could be because is man exporting from here to the world right hmm. so it's just a question of if there's demand greater elsewhere and that takes up the manufacturing capacity yeah the flow could be restricted for it could, it is possible that that could happen although there was one gentleman from aprilia who did say of course we're going to sell it in bigger numbers in india than outside oh, yeah yeah so <laughs> this limited quantity why it is there honestly i don't know why does indian brochure only have 10 listed accessories but the usa has 28 Uh, India ran out of ink, so we couldn't print the brochure for you. <laughs> no, no, we don't know. Look, the only manufacturer in India who takes the accessory thing seriously so far is Royal Enfield. 
everybody else is slowly moving in that direction hmm. so there is a larger list of accessories on the us market that you've seen so far in india we are doing indoor cover outdoor cover tall screen stuff like this uh aprilia india guys did say that the quick shifter will come but it's not available right now hmm. so i don't know when and how this accessory range will fill out so we're done with the questions anything else that's left to add on No I think uh, that is the full picture of the April I'm really excited to get a test bike and see what it's like outside because I think it will be interesting. Hmm. Yeah I'd love to see that on the track with the RC and the Duke and the and the Ninja 400 R3 R3 Ninja 400 RC and uh, RS. I love the Ninja 400. Okay cool. So hmm. uh time for the summary. So the Aprilia RS457 as you know is made in India at Shumi says Baramati. Uh No, a, I never do it's Baramati. It's in Maharashtra. I don't know why he's saying things like this. Okay, fine. And uh, this is the bike that's being made in India and exported to the world. It's a twin cylinder motorcycle with a 270 degree crank which basically gives it the closest feel to a V twin. That is something that Aprilia has used with the V4s of course. So it gives you that V character. what's been very clever with the design of this motorcycle is the way the engine chassis all works together the engine is a stress member the chassis is mounted to it but the swing arm isn't mounted at the same point where the frame comes and sits on it it's at another point and aprilia are super clever when it comes to chassis handling and tuning those little details so it was something that uh, gave shumi a little bit of a let's say something to look forward to i mean it it was a hint and when he hit the track uh, he wasn't disappointed but before we get there the motorcycle itself it he, uh, shumi says it feels substantial it has a quality feel to it in terms of the way it's come together it has many layers into uh, the fairing the way it comes in but nothing feels flimsy uh, it's got a digital display which looks nice it's well laid out in terms of tech equipment that it has it has uh, race mode for the abs it yes. has which switches off the rear uh, wheel abs and it allows you to brake a little bit uh, harder into the corners before abs kicks in yeah before abs kicks in and uh, you have traction control three levels of traction control you have three ride modes uh, shumi didn't i mean he said it's wet normal and sport basic yeah. very simple simple layout the motorcycle itself uh, to get on to feels very normal it doesn't feel uh, awkward or inconvenient the pillion seat is well it's something that has to be tested out properly but it doesn't seem like a seat you will use for longer rides uh the for the rider the seating position is not so aggressive uh for your upper body you do lean forward more than you would on an R3 but not as much as on a R15 but uh, the legs are a little bit more aggressive bit. yeah seat height uh, is 800 i looked it up okay seat height is 800 so that's pretty low yeah um getting going it immediately feels friendly and smooth right so getting out of the pit lane shumi said it just felt normal and out on the track the performance was easy readily available so going out of corners you didn't have to nail the gears down pat you could be wrong you could be a gear higher and in fact uh, they were told by somebody at aprilia that you should carry a gear higher because the motorcycle has that much torque yep. coming down the straights uh shumi was doing about 169 64 uh coming down the straights before braking for the first corner and the way the chassis is dialed in it felt very forgiving it felt very easy so you could exploit the performance plus it got shumi to brake later and continue braking while turning into the corners which is what we'd call as 
trail breaking so that allows you to you know use more speed going into corners and that was that is incredible because if a chassis is giving somebody that kind of confidence that says a lot yeah about and think about it like this unfamiliar race track and this kind of confidence i'm going to say 8 kilometers into the ride so that is a huge compliment to that chassis and it's using tvs's eurogrip protoc extremes which have as much grip as the name is long <laughs> which is a lot yeah. and they didn't get in the way of using the performance of the motorcycle uh, shumi rated this bike uh, 9 out of 10 straight out of the yeah. as the conversation started and the reason why it lost that one point was the brakes because there was a lot of fade the lever was coming down to the bar which is frightening uh the explanation given by aprilia was that it's because it's a more road focused motorcycle so this kind of heavy usage um isn't what is expected yeah. that's a little bit of uh crap because no matter what we've ridden many road bikes on track and yeah. this is not an issue that we faced often actually faced it rarely so this is something that needs to be fixed at aprilia's end but if you are keen on getting one we sure you can find solutions to fix this for yourself and on the street that kind of brake fade will be very hard to replicate so i'm not going to call it an immediate issue but in contrast to other street bikes which you've ridden at the race track at a similar kind of pace and never faced anywhere close to this there is something in there for sure that needs to be looked at right so uh, we've spoken about the tires the chassis the engine uh, shumi is obviously compared to the 390 in i mean it broadly and saying that in terms of the performance envelope they may not be that different but the way you use them will change and, and the way you feel Yeah, the way you feel will change. This will be a bit more friendly, uh, maybe for everyday use, given that it's a twin and will offer its power delivery at lower speeds more easily. And uh, the suspension is more focused than an R3, which is more has a bit more of a touring soul in it compared to this, which is more focused for track. Uh, which one? R3. The, no, the RS457 is more. Is track, more yeah, is more yeah, track yeah, focused. Yeah. And R3 has that slightly softer feel for the yeah. suspension yeah. so there's a difference in the way those two will behave uh, but you could travel with it if you chose to aside from that price is 4.1 lakhs shumi says that it's uh, stretching its value a bit but is it something that you can make a step up for that's up yes. to you uh, it's 80000 bucks more than, than the rc390 rc390 RC yeah. uh, so yeah there we are uh, we are there we are done is that rate his summary and tell us what he missed Oh, if he missed anything, I'm not <laughs> implying that he missed something. I'm saying if he missed something, tell us in the oh, comment. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, the suspension, front and rear are preload adjustable. The rear is a monoshock, and uh, so yeah, that is about it. Good recovery. <laughs> Go with that. So when are you buying one? I gotta ride it, man. I want to because for me the use case is very clear. I mean, uh, it has to be a for me. It will be like a toy track bike, hmm. like right. So in that. I would want to ride this and the 390 together, hmm. and I'm not even clear in my head whether it's the RC or the Duke. I'm actually leaning towards the Duke because that chassis, just I mean, when the new RC comes, then it'll be another step, and it'll be amazing to see how that works out. But for now, I in my head, I keep going back to the Duke, saying because that motorcycle got me so excited, right? right? That chassis just blew me away. Hmm. So to see this, you know, what I'm expecting from the engine. Oh yeah, and uh, Shumi said that it revs to only about some ten something. So it's not that much more. It's not more than the single cylinders. So that little bit of latitude that I was expecting, that added flexibility, that's not there. So it'll make it that that much more interesting when the two hit the track. So let's see. Uh, it's it will be interesting. But I think for a lot of people, this would be a. Uh, it would provide an added dimension of flexibility. 
I think RS 660 is also talk oriented rather than all out horsepower oriented. No, that's fine. I I don't. Which is why I think uh, this is also not all out horsepower oriented. Uh, it's balanced. So they've struck a middle ground, I think, to for the three motorcycles. So they don't have to go. You don't have to change anything to so. spread between them. Between aside from wheels or maybe a little bit on the gearing front. So chassis, they'll do a lot of work. Hmm. To Ono, maybe not so much. I think it's uh, once again, guys. It's an awesome time to be a motorcyclist in India. This is available to us at a price which is accessible. A motorcycle that is um, world class in many ways. So, by all means, you should be checking it out. But be careful about what you expect from it before you make the decision. There are other great options as well available. Yes, I, th I think the 400 cc class is now approaching what is a very nice selection of all kinds of machines, uh, which will obviously cause a lot of confusion. We can see it in the comments. Yeah. Because there's already one guy who I think says Interceptor or RS 660, uh, RS 457. Himalayan and Duke. Himalayan and Duke. So oh I know God, that there's so a lot common. of confusion. Uh, the confusion is happening because <laughs> you're watching YouTube a lot, but you're not riding motorcycles a lot. And I'm not making a joke. I'm dead serious. Please go get test rides. They are very, very different machines, and you will not get confused. Even if you think of all the motorcycles as burgers or dosa, each kind of dosa and each kind of burger tastes different. So if you look at it online, you go to Swiggy and look up burgers. They all look the same, right? But when you start tasting them, you say, "Oh, I like this one, and I don't like that one," and you have a preference instantly, right? If you're a connoisseur, then you'd go further into it and say, "I like the sauce, and I like the patty, or whatever," right? In the same way, there are a lot of new motorcycles. It is going to cause confusion as long as you don't go ride them yourself. As soon as you do, the differences will become obvious, and then you will have at least motorcycles you definitely don't want, even if you can't decide, which will make your job easier. Of course, if anybody tells you no test ride is available, you're not buying that motorcycle. There's no point. The manufacturer is not serious about your money. Are we good? Ah, uh, absolutely. Okay, so I think this is about the whole picture of the RS six. I keep saying the six sixty man. This is the whole picture of the RS four five seven. I really enjoyed the brief time I had uh, with it at the racetrack. I think it's a really promising motorcycle with a couple of small issues, service and brakes that we have to figure out. If you have any more questions that we haven't been able to answer, please do leave us a comment. We'll uh, revert to you, and we cannot wait for Aprilia to send us this bike so he can get a go on it. One and two, we can take it out into our usual testing environment and see what it's like in the real world. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much.